Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well, here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Hey, greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Dives, Al, and Rick all ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. This week is December 11th, 2022, episode 37 coming at you. We have a special guest this week. Rick Bennett of Gospel Tangents is co-hosting us. We want to uh, welcome him. Um, this week in the news, we got an update on the AP sex abuse lawsuit and the BYU sports update. Um, let's see. Church has donated $10 million to eradicate polio. Uh, big props to the church. Huge month for giving for the LDS church. Also, uh, the respect for marriage bill is headed for President Biden's desk. It's been uh, ratified by both the House and the Senate, so we're, it's well on its way. How are you doing, DVs? Hey, I'm doing very, very well. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at www.mormonnewsroundup.org, or you can send us an email to kolob at mormonnewsroundup.org. That's K-O-L-O-B. And we'd like to welcome you, Rick. Uh, welcome to the Mormon News Roundup. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Uh, that's it. It's an honor and a privilege. I've watched uh, so many of your episodes, and it's great to have you on board. Uh, you have a YouTube channel. It's called Gospel Tangents. So when did you start that, and what's that all about? Yeah, it's been almost seven years. I started it in January. Um, in January, it will be seven years. And uh, so it's kind of a 360-degree view of Mormonism. Um, I don't uh, just try to go to the LDS church. I try to look at all the expressions of Mormonism. There are about 500, according to Steve Shields. And I've talked to about 20 of them, so I've got a long way to go. But uh you know, I, I like to talk to people from all over the Restoration, polygamists, uh, Community of Christ, Bickertonites, Strangites, uh, everybody, uh, whether they've been excommunicated. I've talked to, you know, Paul and Margaret Toscano, um, Dan Vogel. I've talked to a general authority, Stephen Snow. Um, BYU professors are on all the time, Paul Reeve, Matt Harris. I try to hit pretty much every part of the restoration that you can. So yeah, well, I've listened, I, yeah, I've listened to almost every one of those episodes you rattled off the, the Toscano, the Matt Harris, um, a couple of those other episodes that you brought out. I've listened to all of those. What's, what is your favorite gospel tangents episode? Uh, that's like asking me my favorite ice cream. They're all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like um, it. I don't, you know, I, I kind of, those, the ones I listed off the top of my head are the, are probably the most memorable ones. Um, you know, Matt Harris, he feels like a brother to me. We're just, mm -hmm. <laughs> I've had Matt on about four times. I've had Neil Bringhurst on about four times. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my big get was Elder Snow. He was still a sitting general authority. They're really hard to get. And um, oh, yeah, he was the church historian a while back. And that was yeah, a lot of I, fun. So that was, that was a great episode. I think I listened to the Matt Harris episodes, uh, I think maybe even two times. And also Elder Snow, it was just a couple of months before he retired. I listened to that episode. So I want to give a huge endorsement to the Gospel Tangents. Really, really good stuff. Uh, really, really interesting. Um, and I, I give you the, my highest endorsement for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you uh, going at uh, the entire spectrum of Mormonism because uh, very early on, it might have even been our first episode uh, that we did here, Dives and I, we kind of talked about uh, what it means to be a Mormon and uh, basically we kind of uh, defined that as anybody who follows the teachings of Joseph Smith, uh, 
and and his restoration. So um, I think if you've got uh, already dabbled into the first 20 of 500, you're off to a really good start compared to most people's understanding of Mormonism. So I applaud you for that, Rick. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I just love talking to all my Mormon cousins, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Have you, um, is there any particular um, branch of Mormonism that uh, you found uh, like noteworthy or entertaining? Besides the LDS church? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just hey, that, hey, that's really interesting. You know, like John Hamer says, you know, the LDS church is kind of Jupiter compared to all the other ones. <laughs> the other ones are all like Mercury, you know, they're exactly. all really tiny. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, Matthew Gill was super interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's just got a small group. I think only about 15 people um, mm-hmm. in his little restoration branch. And, uh, you know, I, for those who don't know, um the angel Raphael appeared to him and, and gave him some plates and he translated them. And it mm-hmm. turns out that it was a record of the people who built Stonehenge. Oh. And strangely enough, they're relatives of the Jaredites. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Raphael has been busy. He's also mm-hmm. ordained another prophet, um, David Fairman of the church of Jesus Christ and Christian fellowship in Ohio. And he also, um, gave the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon to Mauricio Berger. Um, I just call them the Brazil group. I'm trying to remember what their official name was. Um, but they, you know, they have the sealed Book of Mormon down there in Brazil. So Raphael has been busy. I'll tell you that. Sounds like <laughs> it. My goodness. He gets around. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised uh, you don't hear uh, more about like uh, Moroni or Nephi, uh, you know, some of the originals coming back. Uh, well, I think that. they're more with the fundamentalist side. Um, uh-huh. You know, I mean, Joseph Smith has appeared to, jeez, oh, I think, if I, if I remember right, David Fairman, he's appeared to James Strang. He appeared to, um, who's the other one I was just thinking of? Oh, Mauricio Berger. Um he often appears to fundamentalist Mormons and, uh, you know, and I use that term Mormon because, you know, we're mm-hmm. all Mormons, even, yeah. you know, the community of Christ, they don't like to be called Mormons, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I even talked to their historian, Bill Russell, and he's like, you know, it, it, it fits us. Anybody who follows mm-hmm. the book of Mormon. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I think, I, we're I think all that's Mormons, a pretty, so. yeah, that's a pretty fair way of, uh, deno- uh what? denoting it or uh yeah <laughs> yeah and i know that might be stealing some thunder from later but uh anyway <laughs> that, 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 that's all right it's actually really good to have you on for the for uh this week's episode uh because of uh for later um is there anything else that you'd like to share us about your own personal beliefs or your religious background before we move on or you know i try to be as neutral as possible um mm-hmm. a lot of people try to get my opinions and it's really hard for me to give them because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be like uh, Walter Cronkite, the most trusted man in America. Some Excellent. of you guys are going to be like, who is that? But uh, he was like the famous newsman <laughs> when I was growing up. And, uh, uh, you know, that was his title was the most trusted man in America. So I like yep. to be the most trusted man in the restoration. And, well you know, done. So. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, the other... yeah I noticed that. Yeah, I noticed that in our rehearsals that you are um, you're a, a little bit, I say a little bit slippery, um, <laughs> kind of kind of hard to pin down. But that, but that's okay. That's that's fun. That, that's no problem. We're not here to. We're not about pinning people down. That's for sure. Um, that's right. But I, what we do, however, with one caveat, we do want to pin you down because you have the Mormon News Roundup joke of the week. Is that correct? 
That is correct. So um, what did Cupid say to the girl who had a crush on Samuel the Lamanite? Oh, my God. That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> um, let me think about that for a second. Hold on. Um, show me Show me a sign? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> well played. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason he just okay. couldn't hit him okay. <laughs> yeah, okay it took me a second on that one <laughs> it took me a second yeah it took me a second on that one I, I know i know that you're a big time university guy so you know the rest of us uh you know it takes a little it takes a little longer for the rest of us to keep up <laughs> sure. now uh some follow-ups here from last week we want to uh just follow up you know byu has uh finished the season football that is uh, and they're headed to the new mexico bowl to play uh, SMU. And by the way, that goes along with our Mormon News Roundup question of the week, which is only available on Anchor. If you come on over to Anchor, you can answer the question of the week, which says who's going to win the game. Is it going to be BYU football or is it going to be SMU? And also uh, a couple of other sports updates. We have BYU basketball. They're off to a rough start and they lost to UVU for the second year in a row. Woohoo! So, uh, See, I work at UVU, so I got to give UVU <laughs> credit there. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I thought you wanted to be the most liked man in Mormonism. There, you're not off to a very good start. <laughs> well, here, when Greg. it comes to BYU, you know, I'm a little bit of a partisan. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. So, in I fact, think that's uh, fair. <laughs> yeah, and the U of U, you went to the University of Utah too, right, Rick? I did, I did, and they're going their second straight Rose Bowl. So, back to back Pac-12 mm-hmm. champions. You can't complain about that. So, uh, far better recall, than the New Mexico Bowl. Say that. Yeah, as I recall, Gordon B. Hinckley was a big uh, U of U fan over BYU as well. So you're in good Well, you know, there. it is the School of the Prophets, <laughs> Gordon B. Hinckley, President Monson, Russell mm-hmm. Nelson. It's the School of the Prophets, I'm telling you. And, and wasn't, it, wasn't it Worthland who actually played for the University of Utah football team? It was uh, Joseph B. Worthland. Really? Was, yeah, I, I'm, yeah almost, I'm almost right. – almost, yeah, How I'm did I not up. know that? I bet I'll have to check that out. Yeah, he ne- he never missed a game. Yeah, he was a wow. big University of Utah fan. So you're gloating over UVU. You're gloating over the University of Utah. You're just holding it over the Cougars, and yet you you're this is all politically correct. Is that? Yeah. That seems well, hard you know, to believe. Sports sports is different than real life, so oh, uh, we, we can have fandom. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. a- a- everybody can learn something on the Mormon News Roundup, so we're glad you're here. That's right. Just and I quick. just, you know, I have a lot of friends at BYU, and I just love to rub in that, that Utah's going to the Rose Bowl again. So That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, for those of you out there listening, would you please give us a rating? Uh, we'd, we'd appreciate it. Give us, a, give us a thumbs up. Drop us a like. Drop us a subscription. Rate us with five stars. We would greatly appreciate that. And we do want to uh, follow up here with uh, uh, an article that just hit from the coach. This is from the Herald Review, and it's the local paper there in Cochise County. And this was just a couple of days ago, following up on the big Michael Resendez AP sexual uh, child sex abuse lawsuit, which was dropped last summer. I think it was in July, where Paul Adams, who uh, ended up committing suicide in jail, uh, sexually uh, abused two children, and um, those that. That he reported it to two bishops, and neither of those bishops um, report, um, made a report to law enforcement. Well, that uh, particular case has been going on for quite some time. This this case is like 10 or 12 years old. And it's just now reported here from this uh, uh, Herald Review, we're giving you um, the latest and the greatest here, is that there are signals that this uh, court case, which has been going on for quite some time, is headed to mediation. In fact, it may be being settled outside of court. 
worked. And this is not something that uh, very that very few people I think were expecting, least of which was me. I thought that the the families of the the two children were abused. The lawyers representing them, they made no indications that they were looking for mediation. Mm-hmm. That appears to be changing, and that's a, I think that's a big story. Yeah, it seems like the the family was very uh, insistent on this being made as big of a deal as possible to take this as far as they could, and you know uh, I, I think that's. That's fair. Uh, that's completely justified when it comes to abu- the sexual abuse of two children, especially one being an infant. Uh, so it is a little surprising to hear that they're uh, considering mediation and settling outside of court. Uh, if that helps these uh, kids feel better about the situation, if that uh, brings them peace, then I'm all for it. You know, whatever means they need to go through. Yeah, I mean, I think that this, I think that the church for sure wants to see this case uh, settled as soon as possible. I mean, I can't imagine that the church wants to go through um, to, to, to draw this out. I and mean, I think yeah. that, uh, anecdotally speaking, I don't have any evidence of this, this is speculation, but I think that the vast majority of the sexual assault cases that would reflect poorly on the church, the church is eager to settle. In fact, mm-hmm. if you listen to the gospel, uh, excuse me, the Mormon stories episode with, um, oh, who is the lawyer that they had on there? Um, who did a lot of these uh, LDS sexual abuse scandals. He says that the church, I forget his name, I'm sorry, but he says mm-hmm. that the church is very eager to settle most of these cases and yeah. that, uh, that they're not afraid to do so in a rapid manner. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's, that's, that could be what's happening here. And I think that that is a positive step for the church because, I mean, this has been um, really going through the news quite a bit. And it's, it'd be nice to see this uh, get off of the radar and hopefully see um, if, the family, you know, the family's compensated for whatever abuse it is that they went through. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this uh, article here, Rick? Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. Their last thing the church wants to have is this splashed on court TV and, and they just want to keep it as quiet as possible. So um, I see. And plus mediation, I think, is a lot less expensive for both sides. And so. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's why they're pursuing that. Yeah, remember these uh, after the AP sex abuse uh, scandal hit, where it was said that the uh, Kurt McConkie lawyers were involved, they redid the suit and named Mr. Nelson and also another Kurt McConkie lawyer into the suit. And they also named, uh, tried to name, uh, I think it was the risk department, risk management department of the church as well. Because once they learned additional details, they said, well, these people were derelict in their duties as well, and we want to sue them. I mean, it was getting bigger and bigger. And uh, I, I, I really hope that this thing thing gets uh, settled and taken care of as soon as possible. And that uh, uh, if that's what the families want, then um, I, I would be grateful to see this put behind everyone. That's that's what I'm hoping. I think everybody wants to see this in the rearview mirror. Exactly. Especially those poor girls. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, we are going to be releasing in uh, on December 25th, the top 10 uh, Mormon uh, LDS related news stories of the year. And a spoiler alert, that is the number two story of the year. Um, and speaking of the number one story, that's our next news article, is the U.S. House of Representatives passes Final Respect for Marriage Act. Now the bill is going to President Biden for signature. And President Biden has signaled that he is uh, very eager to sign this uh, particular uh, uh landmark legislation um, because it's going to guarantee federal rights benefits uh, for marriage and federal code for same-sex couples. It's going to get rid of the DOMA, um, the Defense of Marriage Act, which uh, Bill Clinton um, passed in 1995 to 1996. It's going to affirm that public acts, records, and proceedings should be recognized by all states. So all marriages in all states will be recognized. And that's regardless of if Oberfell 
I have a hard time saying that. Abgrafell, if that falls, if that gets overturned, this is going to keep those marriages legitimate so that we won't have something like what happened with Proposition 8 in California, where uh, a judge overturned the, the laws in California, and then all of a sudden there was a mad rush and there was a big mess, kind of like what happened with the Roe versus Wade overturning, where as soon as it was overturned, you went back to all these arcane laws and it was a giant mess. This law, the Respect for Marriage Act, is going to make sure that no matter what the Supreme Court does, who's the Supreme Court's very right wing at this time, that you know you're, you're going to have rights for same-sex couples, including interracial couples. So, I mean, this dovetails into our number one news story of the year for the LDS Church. Um, what do you think about this article here, Al? This article, uh, you know, um, it, I'm, I'm glad to see it go through proper channels because you're absolutely right. When they overturned the Supreme Court, just you know magnanimously overturned Roe versus Wade last summer and decided, oh, well, no, that's a, this uh, standing law from the past 40 years is now being declared unconstitutional. People were up in arms over that. People were very upset. However, when it, legislation goes through the proper channels, um, the way that the Constitution was originally set up to work, it, uh, you know, a bill goes to the House or the Senate and then uh, crosses over to the other uh, building and uh, then from there, once it's ratified, it goes to the president's desk and the president signs it or vetoes it. And then once uh, he signs it, it goes to the Supreme Court to get ratified as well and declared constitutional. So people like to see that process work. So when uh, you see somebody do something like, uh, you know, with regards to the president, the president does executive orders that kind of accomplish, accomplish the same thing. It's like, oh, well, we have a very dire situation, so I'm just going to go ahead and pass a law myself, being the executive branch, uh, to get this done. People um, that don't agree with the president are re they kick back at that pretty hard. So I'm glad to see that this is going through proper channels because that's something that regardless, people are on both sides are going to have to say, yeah, that's right. This is, this is done the way it's supposed to be done. Absolutely. Rick, now we were discussing in the pre-show uh, uh, rehearsal that we had, Rick, that you brought up that Mormon Land uh, podcast from this week where you had a couple of, shall we say, more right-leaning members of the church who said, you know, uh, our church is wrong on the Respect for Marriage Act, says, uh, you know, Orthodox members are having a serious problem with the church's support for this legislation. Uh, how do you think this is all going to play out? Well, you know, one of the points that those two guys made, and I think it is a good point, I don't I don't. I mean, I, I'm I'm all for the this new act, and I I'm surprised President Biden hasn't already signed it. Maybe he'll wait for tomorrow. But uh, one of the things they said is this kind of stuff gets handled in the courts, and so while um, I know you guys said this is going to be the law of the land, well, the Supreme Court can throw out any law unless it's a constitutional amendment, and so I don't know that this is quite is on is on as strong of a footing. Um, to say that the Supreme Court won't overrule it. I mean, I, I think it is interesting that they're tying um, gay marriage and um, interracial marriage together because one of the people who's against gay marriage is uh, Justice uh, Thomas, and he is his wife is white and he's black, and so he is an in an interracial marriage. So it would be interesting to see if he would say, well we're going to strike down same-sex marriage because I don't like that, but we're going to keep the interracial marriage because obviously he's in an interracial marriage. Um, so I think it would put him in a very tough position, but you know, the way that our Supreme court is right now, I, I don't think any law, unless it's a constitutional amendment 
can't be looked at by a conservative Supreme Court and, and just thrown out. So in that sense, I, I think I would agree with those two guys that sometimes the Supreme Court has the final say. Um, you know, I mean, even with um, the Defense of Marriage Act, if you look at the Obergefell decision, the Supreme Court basically nullified the Defense of Marriage Act and allowed gay marriage. So, I mean, to, to say that this is repealing that, well, the I think the Supreme Court already repealed that as far as gay marriage is concerned. Um, it's nice that they're finally codifying the interracial marriage in there as federal law, but I don't, you know, if the conservatives don't want to keep it, I don't see any reason why they couldn't say, hey, we're going to strike out this provision. I mean, they did that with uh, the abortion ruling. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't well, put I, it past the Supreme Court. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't. What I would just say is that when you have to get signed by the president, signed by the both House and the Senate, it's going to put it on a stronger footing than just a Supreme but that's what they did with DOMA in 1995. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton signed it. It was passed by Congress. And then, you know, with the Obergefell decision, they threw it out anyway. And the interracial marriage, uh, the challenging of that was Lovins. That, again, was a Supreme Court fiat. So, again, you're going to we're trying to replace Supreme Court fiats with proper legislative process, which is what Al said is a, a better solution. And I agree. It just seems like it uh, it sets better with uh, the general population. When it's done that way. Well, I think so, but I'm just saying the Supreme Court, if they think this is unconstitutional for some reason, mm-hmm. I don't think they'll hesitate to throw it out, especially uh, this current yeah, Supreme def- Court. I yeah, mean, after throwing out abortion, <laughs> I, I wouldn't put anything past the Supreme Court. No, yeah. no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Um, I, yeah, uh, it'll be very interesting. This is obviously, in my opinion, this is the number one LDS Church-related news um, mm-hmm. uh uh, article of the year because this really just blew up the nets and that's how we're you know we're going to be releasing our top 10 on december 25th and this is the number one and i, I kind of suspect that uh, this is the brainchild that this is the church's support for this particular bill is the brainchild of dell and h oaks am i just way out on a limb here i don't have am i way out on a limb or is or it's, uh, am i on a solid foundation there i think that we have uh, some very intelligent people that are in charge of uh, the LDS Church, and uh, they know that if this um, debate is going to be happening behind closed doors, they definitely want to have a representative in that room at that table. And so I, I think that's exactly why the church uh, has been so in, heavily involved in this from the beginning. Well, and of course, Dallin Oaks was a Utah Supreme Court justice and knows mm-hmm. the law extremely well. Um, so anytime we're dealing with law, of course, Dallin Oaks's fingerprints are going to be all over it. I don't, I don't think that should surprise anyone. Plus, uh, I mean, I interviewed Taylor Petrie a couple years ago about his book. Um, why can't I think of the name of it? Uh, but it was about gay marriage and interracial marriage. Um, and, and he, one of the things he indicated in, in the book was that uh, when Oaks was put in in 1984, Four, I think it was, mm-hmm. that he became the point person for the gay marriage um, debate and, and, and how the church would respond to that as, as early as 84, because he could mm-hmm. see that coming down the pipeline. So, so yeah, I, I, I think it, I mean, he's also the one that did the Utah compact, I believe, about mm-hmm. immigration. So anything yeah. law related, yeah, the uh, Oaks is going to play a major role in that sort of stuff. Yeah, sure looks like it. 
Um, so now we're going to jump over to the Washington Post for a follow-up uh, here. With Well, this is actually a different... Uh, this isn't the follow-up to the... Uh, we've already done the follow-up. This one is now the uh, polygamist leader claimed 20 wives, including minors, the FBI says. Article by Marissa Iotti from December 7th. And uh, so she broke this about uh, Samuel Rappily Bateman. He's the leader of an offshoot of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he um, it, he has gone around uh, basically claiming that he uh, feels inspired by the Lord to uh, take on more than one wife. And uh, a lot of times these wives include, uh, well, one of them has included his own 14-year-old daughter. Uh, some of them as young as nine, uh, his wives. And uh, he was. this was all like uh, blown out in the open uh, because there was a trailer uh, that was being towed down to southern Utah, where the Arizona border, and there was little kids' fingers sticking out of the side of the trailer, you know, poking at the sunlight. And people happened to notice this, so they called the police. The police pulled them over and found that there was uh, three kids in the back of this uh, of this trailer. And, you know, it's, it's a matter, it's a form of human trafficking. Uh, a lot of the uh, polygamous sects uh, that have a lot of kids involved, they engage in human trafficking, uh, both for labor and sometimes for sexual purposes, um, including Mr. Bateman has uh, instructed his... Uh, his wives and children to engage sexually with other members of his flock. And uh, so I, what I can't um, abide by is the fact that this guy is saying that uh, he's, it's the Lord that's speaking to him and it's not just his, him living life from between his legs and making his decisions that way. It's uh, it's really disgusting. I'm, I'm glad that this came to light and it looks like this is going to uh, turn out pretty ugly for him. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how much media coverage this article really got. I mean, it really it's just it was covered by all the way across the pond to England, uh, to, mm -hmm. to Great Britain. It was covered all the way around the world. See, the thing is, is that these type of articles, they get a lot of eyeballs because when you hear more the word Mormon combined mm -hmm. with sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. That just that just it just people are just gravitate to that and they want to read these articles and they really don't a lot of people don't have a real understanding of what it is that they're reading. All they see is Mormon and sexual abuse and polygamy. And, um, you know, just it catches fire. Uh, what, what, what do you think about this article here, Rick? Well, you know, I mean, it says he's a leader of an offshoot of the fundamentalist church, which, you know, a lot of people aren't going to make that. Distinction. I know the picture in the uh, Washington Post, uh, the women are dressed in those blue and purple mm -hmm. dresses, and they look yeah. very FLDS. Um, you know, obviously, in the in Mormon land, if I can use that term, we're going to recognize these aren't members of our church, but uh, mm -hmm. other people clearly are not. You know, yeah. I know that here in Utah, as long as they're not breaking any laws and they're not doing underage marriages, we were leaving them alone. Um, this mm -hmm. obviously took place in, I thought it was in Canada. Um, <clears throat> he, he, he's been all over the, the map. Washington uh, State. Washington yeah. State. Well, Washington State. So probably just right over from, because mm -hmm. it seems like there is a big polygamous offshoot in uh, mm -hmm. Vancouver uh, area. Uh, so that's probably just yeah. right over the border there in uh, 
Washington. But, you know, mm-hmm. anytime you're getting involved in underage marriages, I, I think law enforcement should get involved. And, and you know, that's a terrible thing. So yeah. I don't care whether you're a self-proclaimed prophet. I mean, <laughs> you know, you talk to Bill Russell from the Community of Christ, and he says, every mm-hmm. prophet is a self-proclaimed prophet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. we, we saw there was a poll that was a couple of months ago that talked about the person, they, they, they surveyed quite a few people, just average uh, Americans, and they said, you know, what do you know about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? What do you know about Mormons? And th- uh, 30% of the average Americans think that Mormons practice polygamy. So when you when you give these readers to the Washington Post, a lot of people think a lot up to a third or even mm-hmm. more people think that this article is uh, related to the church that's headquartered in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Well, they do. But I mean, you could say that about Muslims or Jews or whatever. And people sure. are going to mix up all the, those beliefs. So I don't I don't really fault the public. But, you know, and I know President Nelson's making a big deal about using the proper name of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Well, that's what the name of their church is. They just put the word fundamentalist in front of it. So I don't know that that's, even with us saying, well, we're not Mormons anymore, that's not going to help because the church names are so similar. And, you know, with with the restoration, I mean, I can tell you the Strangites are called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, the Cutlerites are called the Church of Jesus Christ. The Bickertonites are called the Church of Jesus Christ. Um, so I don't know that using the official name is going to fix anything for anybody who wants to distinguish between LDS and FLDS. It's, it's all, it's, it's just going to be a problem that we have to deal with. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, if the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints says, hey, we don't want to be Mormons or don't call us Mormons or, or or even some are saying we're not Mormons at all, then does that open it up for someone like Bateman to be a Mormon? I mean, that, that... – Well, you know, I, I interviewed uh, Benjamin Schaefer from a polygamous group. They're called Christ Church. And he's and he's like, I'm proudly a Mormon. You guys can be the ex-Mormons. We'll be the, we'll be the Mormons. So... <laughs> Well, to, like Thomas Monson said, I am a Mormon boy. I, uh, they, he said that in general conference. He sang a little song that went along with oh, it that. Was, uh, it was better than Benson. Ezra Tapp Benson. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. his favorite You can see that song. on YouTube. It's hilarious to see President Benson singing, I'm a Mormon boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, you bet. Um, and that goes with our poll of the week, which uh, we're kind of running a little bit short on time here. So um, uh, let, uh, we're just going to direct our viewers over to our Mormon News Roundup poll of the week, which is available on Anchor. And it says, how do you feel about Samuel Bateman being arrested for polygamy and child sex abuse? If you come on over to Anchor, you can interact with us on that poll. Um, and that does take us to our next article here, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, donates uh, $10 million to stop polio and maternal and neonatal tetanus. Uh, this is from the church's newsroom here on 9 December 2022. Official news release that says half of the polio donation targets under immunized communities throughout Africa. So the, the church is donating $5 million to Rotary International in an attempt to eradicate polio. And polio is really only extant in, I think it's only about two other countries. It's like Nigeria and Afghanistan. There's only a couple of other countries where um, polio is still around. We've almost eradicated it. You know, smallpox, I guess, is about the only... Um, 
you know, the only immune immuno disease that uh, the earth has eradicated, but polio is, we're really close. And the, uh, five, five million dollars, that's a lot of money. And remember, why is this newsworthy? Well, if you think about it, the church also donated five million dollars to UNICEF food program back in September and a huge donation um, a couple of months ago, 32 million dollars to the World Food Program, where they sent uh, the uh, one of the presiding bishops uh, uh, out to uh, the UN and present, presented with the UN, uh, the World Food Program with an oversized check for $32 million. So if you tally all that up, $5 million for polio, $5 million for UNICEF food program, $32 million to the World Food Program, this is all just in the last couple of months, plus the giving machines. And those, uh, it's been released by the church of those giving machines, which are like vending machines, but for uh, humanitarian purposes, those those are uh, bringing in about $2 million a year. If you tally all that up, in the last few months, the church is um, really in an unprecedented uh, stretch of donations, the likes of which I, I can't recall. Yeah, they've uh, really dipped into their pockets and uh, shelled out more money than we've ever seen. I do feel it's important to point out they still have not reached uh, tithing level, though. We're still below 10%. However, you know, well well done. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to see. Rick, uh, mm-hmm. Well, and I just want to point out, um, you know, I know the anti-vaxxers are growing and um you know, we donated $5 million. The church has donated $5 million for polio prevention. And so clearly the church is pro-vax and follow the prophet, please. We, I, you know, it's silly to me that uh, people claim that vaccines are, you know, harming people. And clearly that's not what the church believes. And they're mm-hmm. they're putting their money where their mouth is with trying to eradicate polio, which I think is wonderful. I'd love yeah. to do the same with COVID. But. Yeah. Well, the church. If you look at the last humanitarian report, which was released by the church, I want to say it was back in April is when they released the, uh, the, the 2021 humanitarian report. The church reported that it donated. It was a huge number of COVID vaccine uh, doses. It was it was definitely mm-hmm. more than a million, but the church donated a lot of uh, COVID vaccine doses. So, yeah, mm-hmm. anyone who speculates that the church is anti-vaccine, um, I really don't see how you can say that, considering the amount of money and the amount of donate, uh, the amount of uh, donations that we've seen towards eradicating. Yeah. Well, and I know some of these people like to pride themselves on following the prophet, but follow the prophet, get a vaccine. Get a, yeah, get a... <laughs> I, I'm definitely with you there, Rick. It, it, it's nice to uh, presently be fighting polio and uh, these diseases in a different part of the world. It, with the anti-vax movement, we've seen such a resurgence in measles and other ones, or other diseases that were almost eradicated. Uh, get vaccinated. You know, take the vaccines. Nobody's trying to give your kids autism or mess with you. This is, you know, I, I'm with you on this one, Rick. It's uh, yeah. this is something where if if we don't take our vaccines pretty soon, we're going to have to be fighting polio here. Again, and right. uh, yeah, that that was a, a really nasty thing. Now, uh, I had a I had a neighbor, unfortunately, who was mm-hmm. a very active member of the church, and uh, she uh, did her. I've had a couple of different people. Uh, she did her quote unquote research, thought that uh, COVID vaccines were um, some kind of a hoax, and now she lives out of the back of a van. Um, uh, absolutely crazy. Well, yeah, I just. My mother's home teachers, um, both of them did their quote unquote research that said that uh, there was some problem with the vaccines. They decided not to take it. And the father, he ended up getting COVID and he passed away because um, he's he's elderly. 
you know, and it's just mm-hmm. like, what a loss. And, um, you know, that they were just a wonderful couple. Um, my mother loved them dearly and they were really great people. I've met them on a number of times. And just because he, you know, thought that he knew more than scientists now, um, he's not around anymore. And it's just mm-hmm. for absolute, he died really for absolutely nothing. And it's just a horrifying yeah. and a tragedy. And, and the sickest part is, is that in his obituary, um, they said that they didn't mention that uh, he he passed away from COVID. They said that it was something else. But those of us who knew um, that he his family was too embarrassed to write the real reasons for his death. I mean, there's just no reason for any of this. It's just it's really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, are we ready to move on to uh, see where the LDS population is sitting in Utah right now? Yes, please. Um, so this one's coming from Twitter from a, a good friend. Well, uh, w- w- could we consider him a friend, Dave's? Uh, do we know Ryan Berg? <laughs> He's not an enemy. He's not an enemy. We, we love this guy. We, we have reported uh, his tweets a couple times in the past, several times in the past, actually. Uh, and he, this one, he says, according to the religion census, Latter-day Saints are losing population share rapidly in several counties in Utah. And he has on this tweet, and you can access this through the show notes, he has the map of Utah and the different counties all uh, drawn out with the numbers that show the change in LDS adherent rate in 2010 versus 2020. So these are the reportings of how many people um, are part of uh, the LDS community. Self-identified. Self-identified, yep, exactly. So um, we see that in some uh, cases, we've got double digits dropping. And it's not terribly surprising because a lot of these places um, are kind of across the middle of the state uh, with the the national parks and things like uh, Moab, you know, uh, those counties down there. They have huge double digit drops because you have a lot of people that are moving in or, you know, uh, that are not LDS that are moving into these areas. But then you have other places like there's only three counties in the whole state that are reporting growth. Uh, two of those are tri- are uh, double-digit growth. Um, one of them, I think, is Wayne County down in the center of the state um, where Zion National Park is. Um, the other two are at the top part of the state. And we, one of those is Rich County, which we've seen that, um, according to the LDS Church's reporting, the in Rich County you had more members of the church than you actually had uh, citizens. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did report that last week. Uh, the, yeah. the census, the, the church is reporting more members in Rich County than there are actual citizens in Rich County, which is a kind of a surprise. That's why that plus uh, 22 number is there. Although there can be reasonable reasons for that. Uh, it's it's kind of a confu- it's kind of confusing. But yeah, I mean, church membership across the state of Utah is down. If you look at the national statistics for the census, uh, Christian religion in particular went down from 2010 to 2020, went down 12%. But what you're seeing in the state of Utah is a higher than, um, than, 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 than the national average. So I don't think that you can just blame this on COVID because yes, COVID definitely affect uh, religious participation and self-identification, but we're seeing a higher than normal rate for LDS drop in participation. Uh, what, what do you think uh, could be the reason for it, Rick? Well, the culture wars. I think that's that's the number one thing. I think people are just getting sick of them. And, uh, you know, it seems like religion and politics, especially with the Republican Party, has become so intertwined that if you want to either reject Republicans or reject religion, well, you're probably going to reject them both at the same time. And uh, 
I, I, I think that's the biggest reason. Well, then let me ask you, do you think that then it was a mistake for the church to wade into the uh, Respect for Marriage Act? Because that's, is that a culture war or? The, the, the one that just passed? Yeah. Uh, well, the, yeah. Well, I think that's a way of extricating themselves from the culture war. So <laughs> that, that's a surrender. Yeah, yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, they, they probably, you know, it could be argued that they should have never gotten involved in that. And that's what those couple of guys on Mormon land said. They should have never gotten involved in that. And and if they hadn't, they're pro, you know, maybe we wouldn't be seeing these these big drops now. So but I mean, this is this is really, you know, if you look at history, if you want to look at the long arc of history, um, I was, was talking with uh, Dr. Jesse James. Um, he was a professor at uh, Graceland uh, University in Iowa. It's a community of Christ college. And one of the things he said is, you know, you have these waves. You've got the first Great Awakening, the second Great Awakening. And it could be argued with the church growth between, say, 1950 and 1990, 2000. That was kind of a third Great Awakening. And we may we may identify that later as, as the third Great Awakening and maybe I probably am doing my decades probably a little bit too broad, but but you know these things are cyclical. Um, so I it wouldn't surprise me we've got a big drop, and then in you know ten twenty years we'll come up with the fourth great awakening, and people will will jump back in the church. But you know for now I I think that the the culture wars um, with especially with the Republican Party that has led to a lot of discontent. Um, with religion as well, and because those have become so intertwined. Yeah, well, I, I would say that the Fourth Great Awakening is probably taking place right now. It's just not happening in Utah. It's happening in Africa. It seems to well, be. Well, yeah, I was talking about the United States, but yeah, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're, you're, you're echoing the same thing that uh, uh, Elder Bednar said at the National Press Club. He said that there, that he said the exact same thing, that there's a, a periods of prosperity that had happened in England in the, you know, in the 1830s and 40s, that that was where the field was white all ready to harvest. And then, you know, in the United States, as you said, maybe from the 60s to the mid-90s. And then in, in Africa, it's from, you know, from the mid-90s to, say, 2015, it was in Latin America and uh, the Philippines, those type of countries, uh, and, and South America. And then now from 2015 on, you would see that it would be in Africa. So those are the kind of waves uh, that you're talking about. And I think that the, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and COVID didn't help anything. <laughs> so, yeah, we've seen that. Yeah, it didn't help any 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 religi- religiosity in general has been on uh, a, a long arc of decline, and COVID did it absolutely no favors. Now, and if it's you want probably to... why the a lot of evangelicals were like, "Don't shut down my church," <laughs> you know, because yeah, they got out of habit of going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at, at @newsmormon on Twitter. We'd love for you to come over and uh, let us know your thoughts on our, our program and on our broadcast. We're also on YouTube. If you just search for Mormon News Roundup, you we upload all of these uh, uh, podcasts onto YouTube. Uh, we'd love for you to uh, give us a thumbs up, drop us a subscription. We'd be very grateful for that. Now, this next article here, um, you know, I've hesitated to cover this particular um, person a number of times because, I don't know, you, you find this is, l- let me just just give you the background on it. This is Michael Adam Davis. Uh, this was tweeted out uh, a couple of days ago on December 6th. And he is a convicted sex offender who was sentenced to uh, on November 29th to 30 years in prison uh, for uh, inappropriate contact. He was a uh, elders quorum president in the state of Minnesota and inappropriate contact with a, um, 
a young child. And this was his second offense. And I can tell you that he, because he had a, an offense back in Utah, he was he was a perpetrator. Um, and because the church does not run background checks as a matter of force for states that do not require background checks, he was not background checked before he was put into that Elish Quorum position. Okay? Yeah. Now, I have hesitated to report on him because, yes, there's plenty of people all over the place in every religion, in every church, in, in atheist, whatever, that um, are, are predators, that are sexual predators, that make mistakes and should be locked away. And I, I find no you know, so joy in reporting uh, upon Mr. Michael Davis and his um, and his deviance. Okay, so yeah, he he was sent us. I didn't want to cover it. The the only reason that we wanted to cover this is because um, somebody has uh, this has been tweeted out by a couple of different people who have looked up Mr. Adams in LDS Tools, and he's been incarcerated for over a week now. He was convicted a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't report on it because we didn't think it was newsworthy. This guy is a diabolical. You know, he he's a you know really a horrible person who made a lot of bad choices. I, I don't see that as very newsworthy in in, in and of itself. Okay, but he's still a member of the church now. So he perpetrated back in Utah several many years ago and is a convicted sex offender. Then he goes to Minnesota. Then he's accused credibly again of sexual predation after not being background checked by the church. And at no point in time now he's been convicted and incarcerated and he is still a member of the church now. Far, I'm sorry, I'm on a little bit of a rant here, but far from being a one-off here, the, also the Colorado shooter is also apparently, you looked them up in LDS Tools, I just saw this a couple of days ago. Again, this is a very credible information that the Colorado shooter, and I'm not going to say his name, um, he is also still on the rolls even after committing horrible atrocities. So we're starting to see a little bit of a pattern where the local leaders in the church are keeping people on the rolls who really have, if you're not going to eliminate these two guys off the rolls, then who are we going to eliminate off of the rolls? Uh, this one's a, uh, this is interesting because this uh, Michael Adam Davis, a repeat offender, you know, it's not like it, he just uh, committed one crime and then ran away from it. Uh, this guy has been in jail multiple times for the exact same thing. So yeah, yeah, this is something where he doesn't seem all that repentant. No, no, I'm, I'm just very, very, uh, I don't know. I, I get very upset about this article. Maybe I'm too emotionally invested into it. I don't know. It just seems like, it seems like sometimes that the church is going after so people who, uh, you know, write a an incendiary Facebook post. Those people I, I, I get called into their bishop's office because they weren't towing the line uh, on some issue. For instance, the BYU-Idaho professors who were just fired three weeks ago for not upholding the LGBTQ stance that was required of them. Those persons are disciplined, but these other, for, for very innocuous things, but these other individuals who are mass shooters and child sex offenders, they are not. So I, I, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm a little bit exasperated. Rick, am I, am I going too far on this or what? Well, I mean, I think this relates to politics and the fact that, you know, when we're talking about LGBT issues, that's become so political that anything public is going to be, it, it almost seems like politics has become a religion. Um, that, And I think it, it has infected the church, even church leadership as well, because you see why they get so upset about LGBT postings on Facebook. Um, whereas this, I guess you could, you could argue that it's not a political um, thing. <laughs> and so it, it, it doesn't register as, as high as important as, as it probably should. So I, I think our, our leaders are susceptible to the current politics and, 
And if somebody, you know, I mean, I never heard of this guy uh, other than, I don't, I don't, if it was in the Washington Post or something, maybe the church would go after him a little bit more. But even Mark Hoffman, I was curious. I had to look that up. He was not excommunicated until after his sentencing. Um, so, you know, I think the church does try to let the legal process play out. But, you know, once it it I wish there was something automatic to say, hey, you know, if they're convicted of sex abuse or something, Let's get them off the rolls, but there there doesn't seem to be any, anything like mm-hmm. that. That's interesting, yeah. Rick, that you mentioned. If you think about the Strengthening Church Members Committee, what I mean, you have everybody's membership uh, information and presumably some of their private personal information. If you just tied that into uh, you know into a church system that would send an automatic notice to the Strengthening Church Members Committee or even local leadership that says that a member of your congregation has been uh, uh, convicted of a Class A felony. Um, maybe you want to go out and help your member. If there was something automatic that was associated with that, be good. I mean, but remember, we're not even at the at the level of a basic background check yet. We're kind of jumping the gun here. You know, let's let's put in the background check for all members before we start thinking about that. I don't know. I'm a little bit bothered by this, but maybe I'm making too much of it. I don't know. Uh, it just seems like there's a couple of steps more that can be taken that aren't being taken by the. Uh, the LDS Church, in order to protect its uh, members from a predatory, um, what uh, deviants or uh, you know predators. predators, yeah. It, it just seems like instead of culling the web for people who are not towing the perfect line of LGBTQ issues, let's 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 weed out the guys that are the worst of the worst. And and let's. It just seems like that our priorities are a little are, are not quite straight in some yeah. of these situations. I, I think that's exactly what it is. It's a matter of priorities. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, for, for whatever reason, it's not a priority. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if there maybe there's something legal or, or something that's involved. Or maybe they I, feel I, like they're piling on. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's something Could legal be. that's associated with this. You know, because Ted Bundy he was excommunicated too. You know, Mark Hoffman was. You know, these murders like the Colorado shooter. Do we have to wait for the conviction to hold the hearing? Because I've heard people say that you can't hold a hearing on these guys because he's currently incarcerated in the uh, mental mental facility there in St. Cloud, Minnesota, which is, by the way, uh, right by where my wife is from. And so you can't hold a disciplinary council because he's in jail. Uh, can't you hold a disciplinary council for someone whether they're in jail or not? I would think well, so. I'm pretty sure you can because yeah. they don't require you to be there. Yeah, right. you know, like, I mean, I've like heard lots said. of situations where the people didn't even show up for their disciplinary he- hearing, and they exactly. still uh, still were excommunicated. So I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, yeah Mark Hoffman, well, prime example. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's uh, you know, we, we're curious to hear your thoughts on that. You know, drop us a uh, drop us a comment in our comment section. We'd be very interested to hear what you, uh, dear listeners, have to hear about that. Uh, or coming over to our website, you can also leave us a voicemail, which we'd be happy to play on the podcast. If you come on over to Anchor, you can record a voicemail and send it to us, and we'd be happy to play that on air. And uh, finally, we also have a lot of bonus content on our Patreon site. We have a number of bonus episodes, articles, and other items if you like this content if you find it valuable please uh come on over our patreon make us a small donation we'd be very grateful and that takes us to our final news article here we'd like to keep these podcasts to about an hour but this is a very fascinating article at least 
for me. <laughs> and, you know, somebody, somebody asked, you know, what is the purpose of your podcast? Uh, you know, I, I think the purpose for me, I can say that my own purpose is I like to talk about the uh, articles that are interesting. And for me, this is a very interesting article. And this is the Widow's Might Report that dropped a comprehensive look, I would say the most comprehensive look on general authority compensation um, that has ever been done. And what they're they are footnoting all of this. There's been leaked pay stubs all the way back from Mormon leaks, which became the Truth and Transparency Organization. They have a number of pay stubs that have been leaked, uh, both in 2000 and 2002, in 2013, and in 2014. We've had Elder Iring's pay stubs have been leaked. We've had a couple of other uh, uh, pay stubs of uh, senior uh, general authorities as well that have been leaked, including Joseph Worthland. And what the Widows Might Report did is they noticed that the, the general authorities from all of these leaked pay documents, they all line up on a trajectory of church gives the general authorities a pay raise of 3.1% per year every single year. And if you look at the arc of all the leaked documents, it's a very smooth curve. So we can extrapolate that because the last leaked documents were not since 2014. But if you extrapolate that out, you can figure out how much the general authorities are making today based on very, very solid evidence. This, I don't think this is too speculatory. So there's three first presidency members, 12 apostles, and 115 general authority 70s and three presiding bishopric members. That gives us a total of like 120 general authorities, give or take. And basically the bottom line here is that general authority compensation, a very low estimate of that would be around $250,000 a year, uh, but a more reasonable would be around $259,000 per year, which is where the base the base pay for the general authorities, according to the Widow's Might Report, is $160,000. But then there's also other intangibles that are associated with it as well that are probably in the realm of, say, $100,000, including uh, tuition discounts at BYU and, um, uh, you know, benefits like health care benefits and, and things along those lines. And this is the question that I have for you, Rick, is uh, who do you think is the most uh, highly comp well compensated general authority today? The Widow's Might Report gives uh, what they believe is it is, but there is a general authority who's earned more than any other. Who do you think that might be? Would you want me to cheat and look? <laughs> uh, which, <laughs> we, won't, we won't be able to tell if you did or not. So just give it your best shot. <laughs> There's well, a, what would... general authority has earned almost seven million dollars in church service? Um, who, but, who do you think? You know, I mean, I think that's a little bit misleading, though. When you're looking at somebody's lifetime, the longer you're in a job, the more money sure. you're going to make, right? So, of so you'd have to look at seniority. Who's been the who's the longest senior person? I mean, I guess you would say President Nelson. Um, and then who's next in line? It's probably Ballard, right? Ballard, according to this, uh, 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 Elder Ballard is is tops for general authority compensation because, as I recall, I think he was a 70 before he became an apostle. That's why he's on top. Um, but I, I mean, here's what bothers me about this is because, you know, when you when you look at this as total compensation, well, you know, what if I asked you, Dives or Al, what's your total compensation over the lifetime of the last, you know, 20 years? That number is going to look. I mean, let's say, you, let's say you make fifty thousand dollars a year for 20 I'm years. I'm sure Dives will look a million a lot dollars. Than mine. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, you've got a million dollars of total compensation. Does that? Do you feel like a millionaire? Um, I'm way off a million, but, um, you know, but, but I mean, seriously, though, if, if you take 20 years and 50, I mean, that's a million dollars. You've made a million dollars in your lifetime. So I, to me, that 
when we're looking at total compensation, this is this is inflating the number and making it look worse than it probably is. Because most people don't say, well, how much money have I made in my lifetime? You know, mm-hmm. and if you've made fifty thousand dollars a year for twenty years, you've made a million dollars. So uh, that 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 makes me a little uh-huh. nervous about that, these that, kinds of yeah, comparisons. That, it's that's, that's a fair point, Rick. Yeah, but uh, at, at the same time, we've got uh, these general authorities. Um, you know, they they are making a, a modest stipend compared to um, people of similar positions in different companies. Uh, well, and I'll just sure. point out what Michael Quinn mm-hmm. said, you know, because, you know, he was when he came out with his book on uh, the the church finances, uh, the name's slipping me again. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, Hier- uh, he's uh, a, a hierarchy of power, origins of power. Yeah, origins was a different one. Was oh. a hierarchy of power? It might have been hierarchy. But anyway, um, he said for the amount of money that they that the church brings in, it the, the you know if you if you're if you have a general authority, I think at the time was making one hundred and twenty thousand a year. That is very modest for a hundred billion dollar company. Um, and sure. so, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, I I just think when you're looking at lifetime compensation. You know, put put Mark McGuire or, you know, Michael Jordan on there. They're, they're making $30 million a year. These guys pale. You know, Aaron Judge just signed a big contract. These the, you, you compare them to Aaron Judge or NFL or NBA or whoever, these guys are a pittance compared to, you know, major league players. But if you put, hey, Ballard's made $7 million as a church employee, I mean, that sounds like a lot of money, and it is. But it's over 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. I think 50 yeah. years. Well, yeah. I, I okay. think the big difference here is... a lot is, less than $7 yeah. million, you know? Well, I, I think the big difference is, is that um, prior to uh, the year 2000, it was very much conceded that the, uh, the leaders of the church were not compensated, that uh, the church was very much against paid clergy. The church is still against paid clergy, but just on a, uh, a local level. Uh, this is something where, you know, uh, Mark McGuire, everybody has understood that he's getting paid to play baseball or whatever. Uh, but th- with regards to the general authorities, it's only been uh, in the last 20 or so years that we've even been aware that these guys are getting that kind of compensation. And, yeah, and that's but I mean, if you put, even if you put these guys up against the Utah Jazz, they're they're going to pale in comparison oh, to what absolutely. Jazz players make. Yeah, no question right? about it. And, and that's fine. I don't think the best comparisons are against professional athletes. I think the best comparisons would be mm-hmm. against like-sized uh, corporations, mm-hmm. the boards of directors of like-sized corporations. So the well, that's what is- Michael Quinn did, though, and he said mm-hmm. this is really quite modest compared to you know GE yeah. or whoever. Absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 and that's my point exactly. If you look at the, the church is worth about two hundred fifty billion dollars, with one hundred and fifty billion in Ensign Peak and one hundred billion dollars in real estate. If you look at the boards of directors of uh, people who are in the top echelon of the boards of directors of major uh, companies that are like sized, the general authorities are vastly underpaid, and I believe that the compensation should be 
quite a bit higher. In fact, uh, I, and I also believe that the church, the, the prophet, in my opinion, should be the highest uh, compensated person in the church. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he currently isn't because we have released from Australia and from Canada who require much greater levels of transparency for uh, compensated employees for uh, charities and churches that the highest uh, uh, compensated employees in both of, those, both of those countries are in excess of $300,000 per year. So yeah, yeah. there are very... Uh, they are undercompensated for the amount of work. Plus, it's a lifetime commitment. Uh, they're undercompensated. They should be paid far greater. Uh, but, but I think what it really gets down to is, if this was all just a little bit more transparent, then I think it just everyone would be blessed. I, I don't see the downside of saying that the general authorities of showing that they're getting two hundred fifty thousand dollars in compensation. I don't see whose mm -hmm. testimony that is going to break. Yeah, it's, I don't. I don't think that's a uh, the a difficult pill to swallow for most members. But there are several members out there who still believe that the uh, general authorities made their money before becoming general authorities, and that now they are not compensated uh, because yeah. the church doesn't believe in paid clergy. But like I said, you know, the church doesn't believe in paid clergy just on the local level. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not against transparency. I think it would be great. I just think this graph is misleading because we don't think about how much money we've made in, you know, in our lifetimes. You know, it, we would probably be shocked to look and, and see how much money we've made. That's true. I, I think you guys would be shocked to see how little money I've made. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Rick. At the, I have a Social Security. Uh, I get every year a Social Security uh, statement in the mail that shows me all of my earnings for every year and how much I'm going to expect for Social Security, and they have a total on it. So, they do? I mean, yeah, well, yeah, it does for me. It says that when I'm, you know, become eligible, I'm going to get a certain dollar amount, and it shows all the years and all of the total money that I have. It, you know, it's that, I think that's a very common thing for people to have. Is I don't remember reading that on my, I mean, we all get those, but I don't remember seeing the total compensation I've had over the last 30 years. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not too sure about it, but it is a fascinating look, in my opinion, and it is the best look that we're going to get at this particular time regarding the salary of base benefits. Each uh, general authority also gets a, uh, a compensated for each child. It's thirty six hundred dollars per year per child. That is taxable income. And then also the general authorities get a parsonage, which is not counted as taxable income. And according to the widow's might, that's uh, in accordance with uh, clergy members are allowed up to uh, 25 percent of a living allowance that can be called a parsonage, which is uh, for your home. And that is not taxable at either the federal or the state level. And it's just showing the, the, the leaked documents here, which I think they've been pretty well, pretty well verified. I know it's not 100% authenticated, but I think that it's about the best that you're going to get. Um, and it just compares also the median household income of Utah compared to the general authorities. And obviously they're higher and they definitely should be higher. Um, but for those listeners out there, you know, if you find this type of thing as interesting as we do, then head on over to uh, our Mormon News Roundup or uh, find us on iTunes. We're on Spotify as well. Let us know what you think about this compensation. Hey, did we cover everything that needs to be covered, gentlemen, or is there any other uh, final thoughts on the Mormon News Roundup for the week? I think that pretty well sums up for me. Yep, I'm good. Well, we certainly want to thank Rick for joining us. Uh, thank you very much for coming on our Mormon News Roundup. And to our listener, please go check out Rick's YouTube channel. That is uh, Gospel Tangents. And uh, see his interviews. They're really uh, quite fascinating, very entertaining. And uh, thank you again, Rick. We really appreciate you coming on this week. 
Also, we want to let you know that in the next coming weeks, we have some special guests coming. Um, we have uh, on the 25th, there's going to be a year in review um, episode. So look for that on Christmas Day. And also um, the following week, we're going to have Rebecca Biblioteca back with us, where we're going to have her join us as another co-host on the news again. So we're really excited about that. All right. Well, I guess uh, we'll uh, take us out now. We're going to give a shout out to Weird Alma for this episode's music. And thanks to our listeners so much for ruminating with us on the great and spacious beehive. And remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 